Hey, this is Liz. This is Heather. And we are back with our winner of our Twitter poll for our next classic movie review, 1991's Hook. All right, hit that music. chance to support the show want to get some awesome rewards and nerdy bitches swag then head on over to our patreon account at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches from not your basic bitch to rockstar bitch we have a monthly donation plan to fit any budget your support allows us to really up our game and make sure the show stays awesome without bowing to corporate sponsorship in addition to providing prizes, giveaways, and convention coverage, we'll also donate 20% of all net profits each month directly to other independent podcasts. This allows us to help grow other indie shows that we believe in. So hit us up at patreon.com slash nerdy bitches and support your favorite bitches today. Are you getting excited for Comic Palooza? I am so excited. And it's so funny because, you know, last year my niece Maddie came with us, a little Harley in all of our pictures from last year. And she's coming again with us this year. And I swear to God, Heather, she is prepping for this thing like it's her job. Like she is like, mommy, I need to take the day off of school on Friday. I cannot, I I have badge. I cannot miss this. Awesome. She is very excited. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited too. I'm excited to see a lot of people, a lot of friends. And, you know, we're staying downtown this time every single night. So we should be able to catch up with everybody, especially when everybody starts getting tired and a little punch drunk at the end. I kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the fun part. Usually that's the part where we're like, I'm just going to sneak on back to my room, order a pizza and like watch whatever movie, whatever my friends are going to be talking about the next day. And I like that. It's really fun. This year, I'm not 100% yet on whether or not we're actually going to be staying downtown. And, you know, we live outside of town, which, you know, we're like 25 or so miles away, which doesn't sound like a lot until you have to go drive it back and forth every single day. And then it's like, ugh, so tiring. So we're we're looking into it. We're going to see what we can do. But yeah, I mean, maybe just for a couple of the nights or one of the nights, you know. Yeah, I I mean, I really, you know, I really want to be there. You know, obviously, I'd like to be there both Friday and Saturday nights, because that's just going to be easiest. And especially because, you know, we have three, we have three panels this year. And we have one on each day. So we have, uh, I'll throw it out there for those of you who are waiting. We have Friday, the 25th, we have our nerd trivia face off with cult 45 podcast. Yeah, from five to six. And this one is going to be hilarious. I, I, it's already, I can already tell it's going to be game show style. It's probably going to be a giant, awesome dumpster fire. So you really want to get there for this. Yep. I promise it will be worth it. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's five to six. It's so it's with, it's during the uh, panels that are allowed to have um, obscene language. Yeah. I notice ours are all like that. So, (laughs) so again, that's Friday. And again, we'll be, uh, we have, uh, Somebody coming in to do our, to be a game show host for that. Uh, don't want to say who just yet, but it'll be a surprise. But of course, we're we're going to be working with Beat 'em Down and Random Randy Savage from Cult 45, and it's going to be awesome. So that's Friday night. Saturday, 
uh, at the same <laughs> five to six, we like to swear hour. We are doing our live 100th episode where we are going to, again, play Cards Against Humanity with our audience, which is going to be totally awesome. Heather, you've already picked up some prizes for that. And yep. it's last year we had such a good time and people just talked about it for ages. So we said, you know what? It's our 100th episode. We're going to have a lot of friends there, a lot of people coming to it. Let's do something awesome. So, yeah. And since this is the end of the night, you know, come and come up afterwards and talk to us because we'll probably be trying to figure out where we're going to go and hang out at the rest for the rest of the evening. I know that there is um, an after show that Comic Palooza puts on, but we're also, you know, generally the podcasters, we all kind of end up hanging out together after the show. Yeah, and I'll be like trying to figure out how to magician Maddie an extra like 10 years older than she actually is. <laughs> but anyway, it'll be a blast. And then on Sunday, the 27th, uh, we actually have our women in podcasting panel from two to three, uh, because we're probably not going to swear as much in that one. But if you are local and you're interested in getting into podcasting or just curious about what it's like to be a woman in kind of a male dominated field, please come out and hang out with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got guests coming on the panel from several other shows uh, here local to Houston, and they are all amazing. So it's going to be a really good time and you'll get to hear more than, you know, just our opinions. We'll get some other ladies in as well. Yeah. Um, I do also want to let you know that there's also, in addition to the women in podcasting, there's also a group um, podcast panel for anybody that's interested in getting um, starting uh, starting their own podcast or kind of to learn about the issues. There's the official Comic Palooza podcast program panel on Friday, and that's actually at 6.30, so it's right after our face-off with Colts 45. So there's uh, a few, I think I'm on the panel. There's usually, it's what they usually do is they pick one person from every panel, and I got picked this year. And um, to go on to it. I don't think Craig's on it. And somebody from mind fudge. I think Brandon's also on it. I don't, yeah, know. I don't know. Sorry, Not Brandon beat him down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That guy who's Brandon. I don't know who Brandon yeah, is. Says, okay. So it says that cult 45 nerd foo nerdy B hashtag, hashtag, hashtag has. <laughs> <laughs> they could just put the one in people would get it, but yeah. Okay. Mind Fudge Comedy, Rebel Radio, 8-Bit Geek Radio, Caster Quest. So those cool. are, so you can uh, hang out with them. And uh, they usually kind of just go around and uh, ask questions. There's a lot of times people that are interested in podcasting, but don't understand, but, you know, have some questions about how to start a podcast. Really simple um, tips and tricks. And that's what, that's the whole idea of it. So I know a yep. lot of when we meet people and they come up to us and talk to us, they always ask about, you know, starting and what, what all are required and what type of uh, equipment we need and software and hardware and things of that nature. Yeah. So. And that's, you know, if we hadn't had producer Craig helping us from the get go, we would have been up the Google storm ourselves figuring these things out. So it is nice to be able to get. And the awesome thing about the majority of the podcasting community, whether it's local or on a large scale, People are really willing to help each other out and to say, hey, you know, before you tumble down this rabbit hole, let me just give you some quick advice about a X, Y, and Z. So obviously our podcast 
our panel for women in podcasting is going to cover this as well, but we'll also be talking about, you know, issues that are specific to women getting into the field. So, yeah. And I think that's important too, because sometimes your voices are not uh, necessarily heard. You know, you just heard the example list of people in the other panel and two of them are women owned podcasts or women. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny because I know, uh, hundreds now. I mean, at the time we started, I didn't know any other lady podcasters. Um, but I mean, I know now of, you know, literally hundreds. We're part of groups that are very large and widespread. And I'm still seeing things pop up on Twitter and on Instagram and Facebook saying, where are the ladies at? And we're like, we're right here, bitches. You just have to actually look. And so I think there, you know, there's definitely more that needs to happen to get the word out and, you know, for women to be able to better market so that, you know, it's, it's a wider net than people realize they're just not, they don't know where to look. So, yeah, I know I had somebody mention to me like, you know, cause Craig was actually next to me and he was saying, you know, we need more representation from female podcasters. And this guy was right next to him goes, well, I don't know any female podcasters. I'm like, Hey, nice to meet you. Right here. <laughs> dumbass. Now you do. <laughs> And I hate to say that because I, yeah, I don't, I mean, not like we walk around with a shirt that says oh, I'm a podcaster. Well, sometimes we do because yeah, we have we awesome, do. we have awesome shirts. If you want to represent, you need to go to our Zazzle store because that circle shirt you got and that American apparel tee that I've got, they are comfy as hell mm-hmm. and they're super cute to boot and we make hardly any money on them at all, but they're just too fantastic. So that's uh, Zazzle.com slash nerdy bitches podcast. You have to turn the site's content filter off. So like down at the bottom, it gives you an option of like safe or whatever. You got to turn it off. Otherwise, you're only going to see our kids line of onesies and pacifiers, which, yeah, we have. So uh, (laughs) do that. But again, Comic Palooza is coming up in, you know, we're recording now. So let's say it's a week from when you will be hearing this. It is May 25th through the 27th here in Houston, Texas at the George R. Brown Convention Center. And you can go to comicpalooza.com to get your tickets. The three-day pass is an amazing deal. Like, just go get it and come hang out with us for the whole weekend because it'll be so much fun. And Trekkies are um, should be rejoicing. We've got uh, Jordy LaForge, Data, and Seven of Nine is going to be there. I know they're actors and they have other names, but... They don't. They don't. That's, that's who they are. And uh, which which actually brings us to what we're talking about today, because last week we surprised you and we came up with a classic movie review you weren't expecting, because uh, two weeks ago we put a poll up on the Twitters and we asked all of our people to ask all of their people to go and vote on which classic movie we should review for Comic Palooza. Now we base our criteria that the movie has got to be 10 years or older. So it kind of rules certain people out just because, you know, they were a fetus. Uh, But they have to be 10 years older. And one of the players is a guest at Comic Palooza. So we did uh, last, like I said, last week we surprised you and did Star Trek First Contact. Because we do have a large number of Trekkers coming to the convention this year. But for our poll... We're actually going to be doing your listener's choice today. So we're going to have our classic movie review. And this poll, if you if you missed it, we had 196 people vote in it, which I'm going to say is the largest poll that we've done to date. So that was exciting for one. 
And uh, this movie won with 36%, but it was right down to the wire with another one. So the movies that we had in our poll were Stand and Deliver, the uh, Star Wars, The Phantom Menace, the, the first one, Spider-Man from 1991 or 92, or no, 2002, sorry, 2002, and Hook from 1991. And again, with 36% of the vote, Hook is our winner. And that is what we will be doing our review of today. And I'm sure Heather hates me for making her watch Hook. <laughs> well, I've seen it before. And I mean, I, I remember know. loving it as a child. And so when I rewatched it, I wanted to see if I would still love it as a child. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's, you know, there was some divide on Hook on Twitter. I'm not going to lie. A lo- it, it came out as the strong front runner. And then uh, Spider-Man kind of, popped up in there and people were excited for that one. And then people came out and pulled out, you know, at the end for hook, they were very excited for it. But I didn't realize that there was such a large community of people that just don't like this movie at all. Like I remember loving it and I've seen it again since I was a kid. i watched it with Maddie not too long ago. I didn't hate it. So I, I didn't understand the, I didn't understand the venom that people have for it. And then I watched it again. So we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is the question. That's the question of the day. So we'll answer it at the end if we feel that it held up over, you know, the last two decades. Yes. And FYI, the reason that we chose Hook is because one of the guests this year is Dante Bosco, who plays Rufio, Rufio, Rufio. He was the original feather extension guy, right? Dude, he has not aged a day. He looks exactly the same, right? Looks exactly the same. It's insane. I think feather extensions in his honor for Comic Palooza. Just get some big spiky stripes down the top. That'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Think of, I mean, he has volume for days, right? I don't know what kind of mood he has, but, you know, it works. it's impressive. It's it's really impressive. Hey, like I said, I think he's done some voiceover work and been in some other mm-hmm. things. I don't know. He's still just always going to be Rufio. Like, honestly, when we had the last presidential election and they had Mark Rubio running, I almost wanted to, I mean, I did not, but I was, was going to vote for him just so I could, you know, vote Rufio into office. <laughs> but that, apparently they're not the same guy. So I said, yeah. Definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, I'm not going to get into that. But yeah, it was I was like uh due to a I, I saw a meme. It was like due to a misprint on the ballot, I accidentally just voted uh Rufio for president, but he's bangarang, so I'm good with it. <laughs> I was I you know, it's like okay, so we ran to that side of the line. Remember at the beginning? Yep, yep. Yeah. Anyway. You'll see. If you watch the movie, you would know what I was referring to. Yeah. Okay. So this is Hook, uh, circa 1991, director Steven Spielberg. And we've talked, I think, in the past about what happens when Steven Spielberg gets his hands on, like, kids' movies, right? Yeah. Well, was Howard the Duck considered a kids' movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's that. I like Steven Spielberg. Most of the time, I really enjoy his stuff. Um, and I think, and I, I, at the time for this movie, I really enjoyed it. Um, now maybe if I were the age I was when I watched hook, when I watched Tintin, I might also felt the same way, <laughs> but, um, 
I really enjoyed it as a kid. I remember going and seeing it with my dad and, you know, everybody. So it was fun. Well, it's, it's Robin Williams one. So everything this man does is something I want to go see. And rest in peace and ugh, such a such a loss, Robin Williams. Yep. <sighs> and he's not. He is the most unlikable character at the first fourth of this movie, at least. Yeah. And it, he got like... um. Top, top billing went to Dustin Hoffman er, now. Like if when I looked up Hook movies, and I kind of sh- was like Hook with Dustin Hoffman, and I was like, well, yeah, he was in it, and and Dustin Hoffman is arguably the best actor in it. But I mean, like this is a Robin Williams movie. I it is, but I also think if you were to go back and probably do a line count, you know, Hook I may actually have more lines than Peter. Because he's whining through a lot of it. So yeah. I don't know. And, I mean, and he is, that's the thing is we learned that Peter is Peter Panny or whatever his full name is. Banning. Peter Banning. Banning. Peter Banning, Banning is kind of like uh, one of those workaholic dads. And you know what, though? It made sense. In the 80s, there were a lot of workaholic dads. And on Coke. Yeah. <laughs> dads on <laughs> a Coke. A lot of them. <laughs> this generation brought to you by Dads on Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Generation X. <laughs> Don't ask me to talk about my feelings. Just give me another line. <laughs> so we find that he's just, he's a workaholic and uh, he keeps promising to be there for his kids, this, that, and that. And he still, and he keeps missing it because he's more, you know, his work is more important to him than the children. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's got this monster flip phone, which I had that exact flip phone back in the nineties. You know, that's how old I am. And it's one of those that, you know, if you talk on them for too long, they overheat and give you like brain cancer or whatever. They're like really, really hot and heavy. And he's on this thing 24 seven. They are, the movie opens and they are at the daughter Maggie's school play and they are doing the play of Peter Pan and she's playing Wendy, I guess. And, uh, you know, so they're sitting there and they're watching this and it's, it's like parenthood. Anytime they have like a kid's play, you've got the teacher off to the side, like really loud whispering the lines to the kids. And dad just takes a phone call right in the middle of the play. It's just like, blah, 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 blah. you're like, really fucker, get off your fucking phone. Yeah, I know so. if you were, that answering the phone in the middle of a play is completely a dick move. But it is something that, especially during the 90s, right, that these workaholics would do shit like that. Or they'd go and they'd uh, be at the airport and they'd raise all kinds of stink because they have to work. And God forbid anybody else has to do anything if it, you know, gets in the way of them and work. I don't think now it could just be my memory of the 90s or what I've seen from like television shows in the 90s. But, you know, generally we had dicks in the 90s. It was like the the dick if you were an adult. Well, I think I think the late 80s was that yuppie phase where everybody was just walking around with like the cardigan sweaters for absolutely no reason. And then as we merged into the 90s, you know, we're getting a little more alternative. But I think 90s, 80s yuppie dad morphed into dickhead dad. Like that's just kind of the yeah. the natural progression that was made there. Yes. And, and again, we are stereotyping. Not all dads. Yeah. You know, we know that. Okay. So you don't have Hashtag to tweet not all dads. Don't tweet us. Yeah. We get it. Yeah. So that's a, and then there was a, a rumor 
the, the by the way the kids play was peter pan well that was that was coincidental <laughs> right. <laughs> but, okay, and by the way, the little girl, Maggie, right? The one who plays the daughter, she looks to me like a kid that was in every movie in the 80s, right? In the 80s no, and 90s. She looks exactly like the one that was in uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, sort of, but I'm saying like I'm looking at this girl and I'm like, "Oh, well, she was in everything." Like, what was that movie she's in? I go to IMDb. This girl, her name is Amber Scott. She has been in two things. And one of them was Hook. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, she just has that little girl, permy-haired face thing going on. Because she looks so familiar. She hadn't been in nothing. So, Well, you know, I know. It's just it's just a little white girl thing, I guess. But, like, there is this thing that all directors do when they have that little um, girl with missing teeth. And they were like, open your eyes up real big and say something and disbelieve. Like, oh. <gasps> And then, oh, make your mouth open really big. And I was like, oh, my God, it's such a cliche. I've just seen it. Like everyone, everyone be Mara Wilson. That's what you need to do. Just go watch Mara Wilson and do what she does with the giant eyes and the big vocabulary and the adorable little lisp. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing. This Kids will imitate that when they see that that shit gets a lot of attention. So some kids stay, keep with their little, <gasps> you know. So or, annoying. Or, so they're so old because everybody's like, you know, they act like puppies. Puppies know what they, when they're cute. Mm-hmm. Kids Daphne do that. still does that. Has, kids do that too. <laughs> they do. It's it's true. They do. But anyway, so kids are okay, so I'm sorry. I just threw it out. <laughs> you know, Happy you Mother's know, Day. Had to be better without all the kids in it. The pirates really knew what <laughs> what was happening. we are recording this on mother's day by the way (laughs) but no no it's kind of true the kids were kind of the most annoying part of the movie uh but no so okay so we've we've finished with maggie's play and we know that tomorrow we're leaving for london because granny wendy has some sort of hospital dedication that's happening and we're all flying over there even though peter is terrified of flying because of course he is. Yeah. But he's got he's got one last meeting. One last meeting. And Jack's got one last baseball game. It's the last game of the season. Most important game of the season. And uh, I'm going to be there. I promise. My word is my bond. He says this a lot. My word is my bond. <laughs> Kid's like, yeah, junk bond. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great line. Yes. So, of, of course, uh, you know, dad is too busy playing cell phone shoot him out in the hallway trying to get on the elevator that uh, he misses the game. Like he sends a guy from the office ahead with a video camera who I believe is also late to the game and just misses it completely. He gets there. The whole ballpark's cleared out like no, nothing. Yep. Yeah. And so then, then the next day they get on a plane and that's when Jack, who's a fr- not Jack, Jack is the kid. Uh, that's when Peter, who's completely afraid of flying, is there with this kid. And Jack is being a little dick because uh, his dad was a dick, right? And so that's what kids do. But they're in a public plane with other people. And the kid's bouncing a baseball against the roof of the plane. And he's like, this is fine. Or at the ceiling, right? I'm like, yeah. That is not fine. Yeah, your dad's a dick. But, like, don't scare everybody in there. It was annoying me. And I'm yeah. watching it on television. It's I know. I'm like, that is a pressurized cabin, son. That is not a good idea. So you're just going to scare everything. This was clearly before 9-11. Because you kept hearing bangs like that. People would have freaked the fuck out. Anyway. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> that- so yeah, so so Jack draws a picture because he's twelve, and that's what you do on an airplane when you're twelve. Yeah, no, is you he's draw way too old to be drawing like you, that. You draw a family picture of your plane going down in flames. One, your entire family, but one wearing parachutes and gracefully floating down to the water, the shark infested water. By the way. And of course, the one without the parachute is dad because dad has been a giant dickhead and a giant disappointment. He's like, where's my parachute? He's like, take a guess. I'm like, you know what? Here's the deal. I would totally respond that way if people were talking to me that way and they had disappointed me and pissed me off. But I would have gotten the shit slapped out of me if I had actually done it to my mother in public. Like, I know. Yeah, no way. This is not in their house. This is in a public area. I should also mention, though, that the picture drawn by the 12-year-old was very rudimentary. And it was like uh, stick figures. Yeah, it was like it was totally a preschool, put it on your wall and possibly call a therapist kind of drawing. This isn't so. a sixth grade, I'm about to go into junior high uh, picture, right? If so, yeah. that's a that's a concern. <laughs> they probably had somebody's four-year-old draw it for honestly until i realized until they started talking i just assumed it was a little girl that drew it yeah she draws she pops right up she's like look what jack drew daddy and he's like uh where's my parachute she's like you don't get one (laughs) sorry enjoy (laughs) the swim with the sharks yeah (laughs) Anyway, so they uh, they make it off. the Well, OK, so one of the things, you know, Jack is bouncing, like you said, he's bouncing the ball up against the the overhead compartment, the bottom of that or above his head. And so, of course, eventually it pops the, the thing open and the masks fall out, which, of course, is alarming to people around them. And this is when he grabs the ball from Jack And basically says, you know, when are you going to grow up and stop acting like a child? And he's like, I am a child. But he basically, he's very gruff with him. And I'm just writing down, I'm like, I hate Robin Williams as a straight man like this. Like, uh, just, it's so jarring. And it's so not in the character that we are used to seeing him in. Like, I really despised, like, that part of it. Yeah, there was a little, and that's a, it's actually a pretty long stretch while he's still playing uptight dad throughout this oh movie. Oh my god, that's the problem with it. It was too long for him. Okay, we're like, okay, yes, but we saw the poster. We know you're going to turn into Peter Pan. So how about we <laughs> fucking cut to the chase, and so we can get the pirate. It. All right, right? Yeah. Well, the movie is long. The movie is two hours and twenty minutes long. I know. It's why? Like, yeah, that's ridiculous. It's like at least I, I was looking at uh, some IMDb uh, or no Rotten Tomatoes looking at Rotten Tomatoes reviews. And one of them was like, at least 30 minutes too long and 30 minutes too long getting to that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's about right. That does sound that does sound right. So um, anyway, once they get to London and or is it London that they went uh-huh. to? They're in London. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. A good 14 hour flight with a uh, kid that's being an ass and, and a dad being an ass, you know, mm. but uh, so I know that whole section's like, can I move to coach? Cause these people suck. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to be in first class anymore. 
I would be irritated. I have a mm. friend that she always flies and she, when she flies with their kids, she flies in first class. And she's like, everybody looks at me like kids just be allowed up here. And she's like, I paid for these kids to be up here. You're like, yes, I did. You can move to the back, sir. Yeah, I know. Anyway. So, um, uh, so they get to London and then he says that his, uh, somebody, they talk about the fact that Wendy is supposed to be the Wendy from the Perry Pan play that the little girl was in. I don't even remember her name. Wendy Moria Angela Darling. Okay, that's it. Played by Maggie Smith, everyone's favorite. No, no. Who, by the way, the little girl. Oh, the little girl, Maggie. The little girl's name is Maggie. Yeah, the little girl in the movie is named Maggie, and she, in her Peter Pan play, plays Wendy, Wendy played Darling by from... Maggie. Smith. Who is played by Maggie Smith. So yeah, confusion and circularity all around. <laughs> this is like when So the Maggies got together and played Wendy's. So this is like when Sam from Supernatural played <sighs> Dean on uh Gilmore Girls all over yeah, again. It's just, and then his brother's name was Dean. You're like, why are you fucking with me? You're just fucking with me. Yep. So yeah, so they get to Granny Wendy's house, and now Wendy is Peter's wife's grandmother. Yeah, biologically. And Peter is, it was basically an orphan that Granny Wendy took in, got him a, you know, taught him to read, taught him to write, all this other stuff when he was 12. Uh, so maybe the 12 year old slow gene li- just <laughs> lives there. I don't know. So anyway, they get there and the door is opened by a crazy looking old man who's, who's like, I've lost my marbles. <laughs> They're like, you certainly have, sir. Whose name is Toodles? Yeah, because of course it is. And then the the housekeeper lady comes, and it's a ah 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 ah. They're so excited to see each other, and I don't know. Yeah, get very know. excited. And then they for brought, no real reason, they brought an aged up Maggie Smith. She was fifty six years old at the time, yeah, and she they looks exactly like she does she looks now. Exactly like that. I was like, makeup artists is- are excellent. That was an amazing age progression on her because it does look exactly like current day Maggie, Maggie Smith. Smith. It's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. So I love her in this yeah. movie. Yeah. So Maggie Smith is Wendy and we find out that Wendy, you know, again, was uh, the little girl played Wendy um, and she's supposed to be the real one. And so the little girl's all excited for that. And, and Peter a couple times was like, just don't believe in these fairy tales. Like it's not true. And <laughs> the well, the point behind the, how the story became famous was Wendy and her brothers, John and Michael would tell these stories and their neighbor overheard them and liked the stories. And so he, he wrote them all down into Wendy and Peter or whatever the original book is behind the Peter Pan story. And so, you know, she's, she's famous for that, but of course nobody really believes that's the Peter Panish part. Yeah. They just know it. They were these interesting stories. And of course, you know, Peter can't get off his goddamn cell phone more than two minutes to do anything with his kids. And he's, he's a drunk, dear God, he's drinking so much in the first, like they're there like less than 24 hours and he's already had like 12 highballs. I think that that's how they always portray workaholics as alcoholics too. Like 
But, yeah. If you, work, if you work a lot, you drink whiskey all day. I'm like, do you? Well, they didn't They didn't have a lot of yoga in the 90s. Like yoga and Pilates had not yet made their jump. So we didn't have the, the, the guy leaving in his business suit to go do a little downward dog. He was doing a little downward Coke instead. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's like you gotta offset the cocaine with the with the alcohol. Well, you have to because one pumps you up and the other brings you down. Yeah, it's a cycle. It's a cycle, man. Stay away from drugs. Drugs are bad. <laughs> Apparently, right. so is being a lawyer. I don't know. So anyway, they they put the kids to bed, and I guess it was the night they got there that they go to this Granny Wendy thing because I don't think they were there very long. It didn't seem like it. Like, so they put the kids to bed. And for some reason, this, you know, 90-year-old woman still has a children's nursery in her house. That's and weird. nobody thinks that's weird at all. Like, creepy, I get yeah. it. If you're, like, a foster parent. Like, and, and I have another thing that I'm going to bring this up. But, um, so, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. If you're a foster parent for years and years, and I can see having a nursery-type room. And I think, you know, some of those... Things we see in British type movies tell us that children sleep in a nursery area rather than having their own, you know, think Mary Poppins and shit, right? Like they have, they don't have their own separate space. They just all child together. Mm -hmm. So she's, but she's got this big ass room, this nursery and, you know, big window and which sounds exactly like what you would want in a room that keeps small children is a very large open window on the like third the floor. floor. Oh yeah. Third floor. <laughs> so, so they go up there and she's tucking the kids in and, you know, Maggie is made ja uh, daddy a hug, which is a parachute since Jack didn't draw him one. And I don't know. So anyways, they get dressed up and they take granny Wendy out and she looks like somebody took so, I mean, she's she's lovely, and I love Maggie Smith, but the outfit that they put her in the, for this very special occasion made her look like she was 164 years old because she had some sort of, like, fake fur fox thing hanging off her, like, with an actual head. I mean, it was just very bizarre. Yeah, yeah. They were just like, we need to make her look older. Throw a right. uh, throw. Yeah. That's what just Just her a stole with teeth. That's fine. So they go to this event, and while this is happening, uh, you know, I guess they're talking about he's Jack is uh, Jack. Yeah, damn it, he was Jack in Jack, and now he's not. He's Peter Pan. So, anyways, Peter is talking about. Uh, we should do Jack one day. By the way, I love that movie. Uh, anyway, so Peter is telling. I guess he's giving the keynote speech here at Granny Wendy's dedication of this hospital wing for all of the orphan children that she has helped over so many years. And he's talking about how, you know, she took me in, she gave me a home or, you know, she gave me a place to stay. She got me parents. She taught me to read, you know, all of these things. And then he asks, you know, kind of everyone who has been helped by Wendy to stand up. And now I don't know if you noticed this, cause I've never really paid attention to it in the past, but until it becomes like the, okay, the entire room is now standing for applause it is 100% men that are standing up and clapping and like nodding at her for thanks. Did you notice that? Okay. Yeah, I guess. So I'm, I'm actually wondering how many of these, because we'll actually find out that Toodles is also a lost boy. Like how many of these were lost boys that came back that she like put into, put into circulation? You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, yeah. oh. I don't know. I was watching it like, hmm, didn't notice that before. So it's subtle, but it could be a thing. So, okay. 
It could be. So she got stuck with toodles somehow. I don't know how. Well, uh, so yeah, anyways. Yeah. So I don't know. He, when he, you've lost your marbles, you, uh, you can't be adopted very easily, I guess. So this is when the, you know, the wind shifts and blows the windows open from inside the room. I'm not sure why the wind picked up inside, but it did. And, you know, Granny Wendy kind of has a little bit of a spell and they're, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And at home, bad things are happening and the dog is barking and, you know, the dog starts to bark and it's woof, woof, hoof, hook, hook. The dog is now barking hook and that's what wakes up Toodles. And then- I did not hear that at all. Really? Yeah, go back and listen to it again. The dog is actually, he starts off like an actual woof, woof. But it's, it turns into hook, hook, hook. So Nana the dog knows English. It's impressive. And proper names. Good for you. You know what, though? Nana in the cartoon was actually the babysitter. Like, she was the nanny for the kids. Like, they they put the fucking dog in charge and, like, went out to dinner and left these three kids alone. I was like, okay. So at least there were adult humans in this version. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, they come back and, you know, Granny Wendy's still a little shaken from her spell. And as they're walking up the doorway, we see that there is a slice cut out of the glass, which physically I don't know is super possible the way it was done, but it looks cool. And uh, so they open the thing and there's this like crazy drag mark all the way up the stairs and the, you know, the woman is lying she's like the wind blew up the stairs and the children were screaming they were screaming and so now they're you know knock that lady out of the way and you know run to go find their kids open the doors kids are gone windows wide open they're like freaking out and then you hear peter and this is awesome shot it's like granny wendy shuts the door and stabbed into it with like a not a sword and not a knife something in between whatever like a little short sword uh, is a letter basically from James hook who is inviting him to Neverland to come rescue his children because he wants his war. Yeah. So he doesn't believe any of this, right? He's no. this. he doesn't know what the hell is going on. He thinks a psychopath has gotten to him. And they call the police, right? So they call the inspector. You saw, you notice who the inspector is, right? No. It was Phil Collins. Oh, yeah, I did notice that. I'm sorry. Yeah, so Phil <laughs> Collins came over to save the day. Yeah, he's like Inspector Nobody or something. I don't remember what his name was. But, uh, you know, and so they're like, well, you know, this this probably is a fairly, you know, fairly common occurrence that a pirate has come in to take your children, you know, based on the family literary history and all of that. And People often yeah. just steal your children just because they think it's funny. It'll be a they do. Yeah, and we're we're just not that concerned. They'll probably be back. Don't even mind the hook mark. That's psh, nothing. Yeah. So anyway, so Wendy goes in and tells Peter that he's actually Peter Pan, and he says you probably don't remember anyone. And he's like, No, I don't remember at all. And I get that's not a thing, yeah, Granny Wendy. I gotta go. Yeah, yeah you're crazy. <laughs> Thanks very much. And so then he's just drinking in the nursery. Like he's just drunk. He's like super, super drunk, tossing him back. And he's standing at the window and this like little firefly, as we actually calls her firefly from hell comes in the window and and kicks the shit out of him too. She 
kicks him all around the room. It's hilarious. What do you think about Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell in this? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I didn't like her. Uh, she doesn't look good with short hair. So I really only liked her when she had the long hair. Yeah. You know, I think I liked her in it at the time because she was a recognizable actress. Going back and watching it again, though, it's kind of like, eh, we couldn't have found anyone yeah. better, really. Yeah, um, I know. So anyway, so she yells at him, tries to tell him that he's Peter Pan, and then just kidnaps him because it's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you do. She, you know, and, you know, and good on her for being able to lift his heavy ass uh, and fly him to Neverland in a sheet. Yep. Because impressive. Uh, but my question is, why does she fly him like directly in the middle of the pirate's den and just drop a kid's sheet like nobody's going to notice? Yeah. And nobody does. That's the. <laughs> that's just a plot hole. I don't understand that at all. So that's it. That's when he actually ends up getting to Never Neverland. And he's clearly there with pirates, still not convinced that the story that Wendy told him is true because God forbid there's any accuracy to that. He just got picked up by a fairy and taken to another land where pirates are around, you know. But he's still just walking around like, where's my kids? Where where am I? What's happening? I want to speak to whoever's in charge. And she's, you know, dressing him like a pirate as he's walking to keep him from getting like shot on sight because he still doesn't understand that, you know, these pirate things, I mean, this is a life and death kind of thing, that this is not storybooks and whatever. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, she keeps telling him things that will that will help him. But and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm inclined to listen to you about this one thing, like how to act like pirate, as opposed, but I do not believe you when you say that you, when you flew me as a tiny little insect over here, that that's a little too far-fetched. Yeah, that's, you know, um... Uh, uh, yeah, I'll drool, but that's that's where I draw the line. Yeah. So this is when we get our introduction to the pirates for the first time. And the first one, of course, is Bob Hoskins as Smee. Oh, and I love him. He's He should have gotten top billing in this movie, really, because it's it's almost a Smee story because exactly. he was just so good. Our- so fun. You know, because like in the cartoon when we were kids, Smee was such a, just a, kind of a pitiful little tag along character, but I, I really liked him in this. Our friend Rob Zip dressed up as me for comic Palooza last year. Nice. I don't remember seeing him for that. <laughs> it was awesome, but that's entertaining. <laughs> but I, I would also say that this movie is very big into chanting. They really, they like their chants. So we have the dog hook, hook, hook. We have the pirates who are saying hook, hook, Give us the hook as they are walking the hook from the blacksmith into Captain Hook or whatever. And then the Rufio thing would come to later. So they like their chance. And they all follow Mr. Hook for some captain. I apologize. He earned that. He earned that title chopping people's hands off. And, um, you know, for no real reason, you know, he's much fancier than the rest of them. He's got, uh, he allows himself kind of food. It's just more like this King, um, a king and his peasants type of thing, which doesn't make any sense because there's no real reason to follow him. He's, he's has vengeance no. against the kid. That's all they've got but going. I, I think 
I think in some of the pirate, you know, mythos or whatever, that's what it was. It's like the pirate king, right? Like he's in charge. He gets all the booty. He gets whatever. And we're just here doing whatever. And sometimes he randomly shoots us. Or in this case, uh, sticks him in the boo-boo box, which I'm going to say, I think all workplaces should have a boo-boo box. <laughs> we could drop assholes into and, you know, maybe a scorpion or two. I, what did what did Captain Hook? What was he referred to as before he lost his hand? He was still Captain Hook. I guess I know he's. I don't know. I think Hook was, was his name. Like wasn't. Good thing it wasn't like Captain Chainsaw or something. <laughs> well, maybe when you go into piracy, you have to like get rid of your Smith last name, and you have to say, okay, well, you know, I can be like Captain Hook, because the chances of me getting a hook hand at some point are probably pretty high in piracy, or Captain Peg, you know, I something patch, like that. Yeah. Eye patch, patches, you know, I don't know. Oh, I'm going to get to the Lost Boy names in a minute here. Yeah. But anyway, so I love Dustin Hoffman as Hook. Oh, like yeah, he, you, I mean, you're looking at, this is a person who just kind of epitomizes dramatic acting roles in this role, it's so silly, but it's also brilliantly done. Like, just love it. Uh, very ornate, very over the top. I think he did an, an, just a fantastic job. I also noticed, randomly, uh, did you see David Crosby as a pirate extra? Oh, I don't think I did. Yeah, David Crosby, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Totally a pirate extra. Who has a name? And excuse me, but his name is... Tickles the pirate. Oh, good to know. <laughs> I mean, this place Thank was, you. I, was full of cameos, right? Yeah, there were a lot of little cameos in here. That's the one that really noticed. So anyways, when Hook decides to, you know, he's bragging to the crew and saying, I've taken his children and blah, blah, blah. And this is when he just throws all of Tink's hide among the pirates advice out the window, starts stripping his pirate gears off going, those are my children. And I'm like, you're really, you're just <laughs> go right out there and, you know, out yourself in the middle. And so, because he's so, you know, not what they're looking for to fight, it's like a big disappointment. And so somehow, instead of just like, I don't know, giving him his kids back and being disappointed, Tink convinces him that they, she'll get Peter Pan into shape and they will have a battle. They will have a war in three days. Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem like something that you'd want to just, you know, okay, he's not the Peter Pan I knew. Maybe, uh, you know, kill him now. No, no. Instead, let's, uh, let's you know, agree to a dance off in three days. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of that. Like, I think that would have been a, probably a better move. So, I don't know. And then there's the whole, you know, crawl up there and touch their outstretched, fly up there and touch their outstretched fingers and I will let them go. And he can't fly and he's crawling up there and he won't even crawl out far enough to attempt. You know, the kids are like, mommy would do it, <laughs> which she would. She told that mom would have flown up there, fairy dust or not. She'd be like, give me my fucking kids. Back. I know. Yeah. So Maybe they, they decide they're going to have a war. Huh? They had his cell phone. Yeah. Well, I'm saying they should have brought this. They should have captured the cell phone and then he might have been more vo- motivated. So they decide they're going to do this, but one of the pirates, oops, accidentally knocks him overboard, and now he's going to drown, except he's surrounded by mermaids. Really 
horrible looking mermaids. I know they were trying to make them look like beautiful and a lot like the ones from the cartoons. Mm. I remember watching yeah, when that, they, get, they yeah. were giving him mouth to mouth underwater, like so he had oxygen. I was like thinking, uh-huh. he's married. He doesn't. He can't be kissing like the thought because yeah. I was so young that the thought that he was drowning didn't occur to me. <laughs> it always just reminded me of Splash, you know, yeah. when she does the same thing, and I'm like, how? I, I don't understand how mermaid breath turns your lungs aquatic, so now you don't have to come back up for it. It just doesn't make any sense. It's a just. Oh yeah, I didn't think about it, that. Mermaids don't breathe. Air. Just yeah, no, they don't. It just it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, so what I love is you know they get him over and they get him in this shell and this shell goes rising into the world's tallest fucking tree on top of a mountain, and it's been what eight minutes? It's not like it's been four days, right? It's been eight minutes, and he's now in the lair of the lost boys. But Tinkerbell has already gone back to her little clock house and she's asleep and she's like so hard asleep that when he starts making noise, she's like, ah, ah, what's happening? And then she's like, oh my gosh, you're alive. She literally just fucking left him like, meh, he fell off. He's, he's gone. Meh. <laughs> well, that was worth a try. What? There we go. I know. It's like, what is happening? So yeah, she just goes home to sleep because, you know. When you're tiny and a fairy and just carried a dude from London, you need a nap. I don't know what, how far away Never Neverland is, but it's a ways away. Second star to the right and straight on till morning. So what happens if you start in morning? It's not a very good, accurate measurement of time and distance. But I'm going to say the Lost Boys house, though, pretty bangerang. I would live there. Yeah, it looked cool. I like their big ass tree house. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, of course, the Lost Boys have heard, Peter's back, Peter's back. And now they've all come out to try to f- see the pan. And he's still covered in a sheet or something. I don't know. He's like laying on the ground. And then they realize, they're like, who are you? You're old. Old people are pirates or whatever. And then Rufio comes in. So our, our fun guest, Dante Bosco, on a skateboard with a sail. Yep. That matched his hair. Well, I mean, if you're going to color coordinate, then you'd want to color coordinate to that bright red strip in your hair. So anyways, Rufio comes in is basically challenging Peter to prove that he is who he is. None of them really believe him. Then they just chase him around and shoot him in the ass with stuff. Yeah, I do like that. That Yeah. Trying to convince him to that. Hey, if you believe he's Peter Pan, come to my side of the thing. And, and he's uh, Peter's all like, I'm running over he's, to that line. Like, all right, I'm over here. Exactly. He's like, I, I don't believe it. So here I am. And they're like, you are embarrassing me. <laughs> and, but it's, it's really, really cute. So some of the little kids that they have in the lost boys were just the cutest little things in the world. So pockets is the name of the first little boy who decides he's, he's the one that goes and does all the touching and oh, yeah, the, the stretching of his kid. Right. He's tiny. He's adorable. And he's, you know, trying to stretch the face and see the young behind the old and the wrinkles and the fat. And it was really, really sweet. And about this time, you know, I'm listening to the score playing and it's absolutely beautiful. And so I looked it up and of course it's John Williams. It has, I mean, man is, what doesn't he do? Can't. He can't do anything wrong. So, you know, and you're almost having like a teary moment when they're like, there you are, Peter. And you're like, and then you see all these other kids running over and 
you know, the little tiny pockets is having a fight with Rufio. He's like, well, who's pans? Who's those kids? And why is he here? Blah, blah. Like it's, but it was super cute. I don't know. Loved it. So anyways, now they've decided they're going to probably help him, but pretty much just kick the crap out of him. Yeah. Well, I, Meanwhile, well, I think that, I mean, there's always going to be the power struggle and that's in every single movie. So Rufio, I think, you know, considering he did a pretty good job at this power struggle, right? He didn't- well, he's been in charge for like 40 years and he's still 12. Yeah, and he didn't kill anybody or anything like that to prove he- what he was. And when he was proven that he was Peter Pan, which I just jumped ahead, but, you know, we didn't lose. Eh. Um, <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie about Peter Pan. Yeah. So, <laughs> when he ends up, um, you know, flying and reading Peter Pan, Rufio was like, all right, you're Peter Pan. Here you go. You are the pen. It was so, it was kind of cheesy though, because he goes hands in the, du- well, first you think he's going to walking up all aggressive, and he's, but he's like, you are the pen, but we're not, we're not fully yeah. there yet. But it was like, the meantime, Captain Hook has decided, actually Smee came up with the idea that the best way to really get at Peter is to turn his children against him. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, I would too. Totally. I mean, I mean, that's kidnapping 101 yeah. right away. You know? Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. So, the, you know, he has this like classroom about, you know, chil- parents don't love their children. They want them to be quiet. They put you to bed to lull you to sleep so they can pretend they don't have you anymore. And it's kind of like, you know, I know a lot of parents that <laughs> I don't, <laughs> do that exactly. I don't think that's a lie. I don't think so. So anyways, the little girl's not falling for it, though. She is not disillusioned with her parents yet. So she is, she keeps telling him, she's like, the Neverland makes you forget. Run home, Jack. Run home, Jack. So she's off with, she. I guess she's in jail now. And the boy is being groomed after eight minutes to be Captain Hook's successor and of child. Course, none of the know. other pirates are having a problem with this, that, you know, this child came in and usurped their theoretical authority or their potential no. rise to no. the thing. Like, they're like, yeah, it's nepotism. We don't have any women here, but somehow your family members still uh, get promoted over you. They do have women. Don't forget. They have all those painted ladies hanging around <laughs> that are just listed in IMDb as prostitute Uh, (laughs) like okay uh so yeah so you know he starts to work on his thing with jack and by his love whatever jack's an asshole though this kid is an asshole he's completely forgotten about his sister after eight seconds uh this guy let me smash a watch with a with a power tool here which i've always wanted to do so now fuck them i've i got this guy he lets me break. I shit. know. So Jack took oh, took after his father more than he knows because he just was like, yeah. I have no loyalty to anything or anybody. Yeah. So at the all, at this time, the Lost Boys they are now trying to work Peter into shape. Right? They are they're working him. They're making him run, and they're saying all this horrible stuff behind his back, and you know about how he's fat and lazy and stupid and whatever. And so he's running, and he's a big sweaty pile of mess, and. All these things. So they get to the end of, I guess, day one. And, you know, he's like dragging. He's dragging in. But he smells food, right? Like, oh, my gosh, this food is going to give me life or whatever. 
and these kids have this enormous table set up and there's just things steaming and, you know, covered lids and whatever. And so he's like, oh my God, I can't wait to eat. And they go open it and every bowl is empty and the kids are dipping in with, with spoons and, you know, like just eating and all this stuff. And he's like, where's the food? She's like, remember, this was your favorite game. Like you have to pretend you have to play with us. And he's like, I just want some fucking food. Like, what? I, I think, I think that after a long day, imaginary food would really piss me off. I don't know that I have a good enough imagination to eat myself yeah. full. <laughs> well, air. obviously, it's Neverland, so you know you can only do what you can do. Yeah, and it doesn't. It isn't until he starts using his imagination to insult Rufio that he starts. Realizing, and you know, and it, it, finally we bring we have good old Robin Williams back, right? <laughs> yes, and so he gets into he gets into the insult fight with Rufio, right? So Rufio's calling like a you know dead bug's butt or whatever. And he's like substitute chemistry teacher. Is <laughs> it just? I mean, his his insults are so lame, but they're also like funny dad joke things. Like, so it's starting to cross over. And then he basically just goes on this long, rude, crude food, dude, blah, blah, blah. And then Rufio's like, you man, stupid, stupid man, as you do when you start to get flustered. And that's when he, like, play flicks food from his bowl, his empty bowl at Rufio, and hits him square in the face with what's got to be, I don't know, unicorn frosting? Yeah, I know. I don't know what that is. It's that stuff that unicorn poops in the Squatty Potty commercial. Yeah, but I, I don't know where it is, and I don't know why you would have it in mass quantities, but apparently it's delightful. So, well, I don't we have know. to go somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, but now we get to see actual Robin Williams coming out to play because the last thing you want is Robin Williams straight man yeah. the whole time. Although, like, by this time, though, way too much of the fucking movie was Robin Williams straight man. This is over half the yeah, movie the at this point, I'm pretty sure. I didn't over now, time, right? I know. I'm like, okay, so now, and we still don't know how to fly or crow and shit. We're still just barely getting it. But this is after this, They ha- and then they end up with a big yeah. food fight, as you do. But at the end of this food fight, my favorite one of the Lost Boys, Thudbutt. What a good name. A kid's name is Thudbutt. I'm like, how horrible is that? But anyways, Thudbutt comes up and says, hey, Peter, Take these back to Toodles. They're his marbles. He's like, he really did lose his marbles. Like, yeah, they're his happy thoughts. And that's what, that's been the problem is he's having trouble because he's not a happy dude, right? He's, he's a miserable, grumpy old man. So he's having a hard time getting these happy thoughts in order to be able to fly, which is what you have to have to have. So, yeah, he wants to go talk to Tink and then Tink starts talking to him. And anyway, he's for so, a brief moment, he remembers his son being born. Well, I think he actually starts to remember oh, yeah. all the way back to when he was a baby, which just seems in highly yeah, unlikely the because then he chooses he to run, run away, away in the pram the because pram he doesn't want off. to do. And I'm like, in how it. did that work? 
<laughs> I know that it's like, and then Tink, you found me and kidnapped me in Never Neverland. So now you know why there's a large child population in Never Neverland is because Tinkerbell has just going back to exactly. wherever she's we are like from wherever they are. That and just has this like, she's got a little fortress of just I mean, people that she's kidnapped. She doesn't, I mean, it. this is crazy. Criminal Minds yeah. episodes are like entirely about like this rolling. type of shit. And for Old some man, reason, yeah. we find it adorable. She's a menace. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it's it, she she's a menace. Like they should just clap her little wings right out fairyland. I don't know. So anyways, he he's remembering all of these things and he's remembering Wendy. So he's actually getting the memories back. And then he finds this ratty old looking teddy bear. And, you know, then he translates it to not Taddy, Daddy. That's yeah. when I became Ooh, happy. Was, was when I had ass. this kid that I never ever want to deal with. Yeah, and now I can fly. And did you notice when he bursts out the top of the tree, he is no longer wearing whatever he was wearing. He is now in full Peter Pan tights, shorts, fluffy shoes, the whole nine yards, and he is flying around. He's gotten a blowout. It's kind of yep. impressive because I think it's his awesome. hair is longer uh, than it was 10 minutes earlier. So then he flies all over the place and, yep. and that's when cuts the- Rufio's pants off. Yeah. And that's when they're convinced plays that he's Peter Pan. And, and so now yeah. he actually has to make a plan to go after his kids. And so this is day three, by the way, or the end of day three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like where I was like we're we've gone like five days into this three day fast on this movie and it's just yeah so yeah I think the first thing they want to do you know before they're going to get him to murder right because we got to go to this war and people are going to die first thing you're going to do is go steal yeah. Captain Hook's hand because that makes sense when the man is holding your children hostage that you should yes. do things to just piss him off. But when he but when he shows up, he realizes that the pirates, who by the way are all now wearing pirates baseball jersey things, yeah. uh, they are playing a baseball game with Jack. And you know he's like, "Go, Jack!" He's you know, "Oh, go, Jack!" Wait, wait for the good pitches in his little pirate outfit. And then you know the the dumb pirates in the back have the signs up that say, "Run home, Jack." run home Jack. And so he's like, run home Jack, Maggie, like this like glazed over look. And they're like, no, no, it's backwards. And like home run Jack. Oh, okay. I can get back to having fun now. Fuck my sister. Who's God knows where she's, you know, seven. We don't know. Anyway. So yeah. So then he just gets depressed when he realizes that captain hook is now treating Jack like his son and he just starts to like strip his pirate gear off yeah. and slink I, home, which I don't understand. I know. This is it's, the most unobservant pirate town like, in the oh, world. You know, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to go here and cheer on my son. It would have been fine had he not been playing a baseball game. But now I'm now I'm actually going to take the time to watch it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I don't know. So, oh, okay. I had a, I had something when he was doing the remembering part. And he remembers coming back to Wendy's house for the last time. Wendy, who is played by uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, by the way, Um, when he comes back to Wendy's house for the last time and he sees Moira, who becomes his wife later, she's 13. She's asleep in the nursery. And he's like, I'm going to give her a kiss. 
And he just goes up and kisses this yep. girl in her sleep. I'm like, and you're not supposed to. You're not shady. supposed to kiss people in their this sleep. This guy is shady. No, that's that. That is not what we talk about when we talk about active consent, sir. <laughs> there should be enthusiastic consent, not. I guess. I guess. I, what did did the grandma give consent on her behalf? Because that's not how it works. <laughs> Well, she flat out told him, don't give her any kisses. Don't give her trinkets. Don't make her fall in love with you when she won't keep me. He's like, no, I'm going to give her a real kiss. And then just like, then you see the Tinkerbell show up with the sad face and like, wah, wah. Yeah. I know. All right. So, yeah, we so that's when we find out how Peter stopped becoming a lost boy and basically stayed back in non-Never Neverland uh, because he fell in love with a girl, but he claims it was because he wanted to have right. kids. But like, how do you know so, you want to have kids when you're surrounded by kids all the time? I know. It's basically like I wanted to be like a daddy. A anyway. I'm like, you know, eight minutes ago, you don't even know what a kiss was. Like, I don't even know what daddy means. And aren't you already kind of a dad to all these kids that Tinkerbell has abducted over the years? Exactly. Like, oh, no, I'm just going to leave it all behind so I can become a dad. And all those lost kids are like, well, fuck you too, dude. Fuck you. I don't even think he went no. back. Like, he didn't even tell him he was leaving. That's why Rufio took up the sword. He's like, well, he's not coming back. So, psh, screw that. Just made that decision arbitrarily, just decided, okay, well, I'm not going back because I want to kiss this mm, little girl. Weird. Weird. I think we should take a quick break and uh, throw a little promo our way for one of our friends, podcasting friends. And, uh, and, and when we come back, we'll talk about how Jack get, or Pan gets his kids back. <laughs> we'll see you in a minute. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Caster Quest, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle, soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, or our world-famous erotic fanfiction reads. Whatever you're in the mood for, if you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find CasterQuest on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. All right, we're back. I know you enjoyed listening to that promo from our awesome friend. And uh, we hope that once you finish our show, you will go over and take a listen to, to theirs. To theirs. You'll Absolutely. Like anyway. So we're back. We've, we've gone from, you know, abducting babies in London and in, inappropriately smooching teenage girls. Uh, so let's, let's talk about <laughs> Hook in this wholesome movie. Exactly. Now we're actually to the point where it is, we're in Never Never Land. Peter Pan knows he's Peter Pan. And the pirates uh, are try- have stolen his children. Mm-hmm. And Tinkerbell, I don't want to just throw, talk about her for just a minute, because she is kind of a freak. She has got a massive, massive lady boner for Peter Pan. If you notice, when he yeah. goes back, and now he's, remember, once he learns to fly and shit, he totally forgets he's there to find his kids, right? Now he just wants to play and run, and the windy lady darn socks, and he's, like, lost his mind. And she's in her little clock house, and if you look at the walls of her clock house, she's, like, stolen his wallet, 
and has his driver's license and like credit cards and stuff up as like in like homage to him. It's really shady. I know. And then is this when um is this when she, she blows um, herself up? Him? Yeah. She she makes herself yeah. human size, his size, in a big blue party dress, Cinderella style, and she kisses him. And she's like, I, I've always wanted to do that. These are the biggest feelings I've ever had. And and I, I'm, I'm now big so I can have them because I was too small to have big feelings. What? And, and he's like, yeah, she's like, I love you, Peter Pan. He's like, I love Moira. <laughs> Not you. Her. Oh, and Jack and Maggie. Oh, that's right. Uh, I'm supposed to keep them from dying tomorrow. So can yeah. we get back onto the professional basis here, Tink? Hey, Tinkerbell, you are the person they wrote that book. He's just not that into you. (laughs) Yeah, he spent 75 years and it still didn't happen, lady. I think it's time to let it go. Maybe Rufio's into it. I don't know. Let's move on. Maybe Rufio has to use Rufies. (laughs) (laughs) That was in bad taste. I'm sure Rufio is an active consent person. Bad form! (laughs) So anyways, now we have come to the morning of the war, right? And and Peter and the Lost Boys, they are getting armed, they are getting ready, and they are getting dressed in their armor by jumping through rattan curtains. It, it it's awesome. Like seriously, I I don't even like that. I wish I could get dressed like that. Like I wish that I, it was just like a paper doll situation where you just walk into something and it magically is now on your body and you don't have to spend any time with the adjusting and the, you know. Yeah. I do like that about Never Neverland. I also like that the flowers smell you and not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, when they're smelling his crotch, that's disturbing <laughs> and hilarious. It's like, you know, some of these things they just put in so the grownups wouldn't tune out, you know, yeah. eight minutes in. But yeah. all right. So uh, I've written down Jack, the turncoat pirate kid, because now he is dressed. It's been 48 hours and he is now fully dressed, complete with tiny wig. And he is about to get his first earring pierced yeah. by Captain Hook's completely unsanitary hook that God knows what else he does with it. Sounds nice. And so this is, this is when, you know, right before this happens, this is when the lost boys show up from another ship that nobody noticed was there. I don't know. Uh, And now I've written down pirates versus children. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) And the children are winning. So lame pirates. (laughs) Yep. I mean, really, it was just like a battle with just a bunch of goofy things into it. I love that your little, what was his name? Turd Blossom or something? <laughs> Thud Butt. <laughs> Thud Butt. He rolled and he uh, he rolled it like himself like a, and turned himself into like the ball from yeah. uh, Last Crusade. Yeah, he screams Thud Ball is what it is. So Thud Butt okay. bends himself in half, which is incredibly impressive for a really round kid. And just rolls down these gangplanks and just bowls these pirates off, which is hilarious. I mean, yeah, awful name aside, that's a great that's a great gag if you got it. Yeah, uh, I also think that the gumball shooter should really be a part of any large scale incursion. Uh, it's so helpful, and again, having Thudbutt along really helps. We should add him to our D and D group. That would be. Incredibly helpful to just shoot gumballs at people and watch them dance across them. 
And I'll tell you, though, another thing about, you know, gumballs and things like that, man, at high velocities, those things are painful. We that all have hurts. had a childhood. You've all thrown them at somebody. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Yeah. Or marbles, dear God. Man, if it were marbles, that could like, it would be a much bigger problem. Or even jawbreakers, something like that. Jacks or Jesus Christ. I mean, seriously, now I'm thinking, you know, all of the ways you could arm yourself with completely harmless seeming things. But it's kind of like those old Saturday Night Live sketches of Johnny Bag of Glass and shit. Well, it's like, you know, it's like the 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 arbitrary set of things that you cannot take on an airplane and it was like but yeah you know if i take this sack of marbles i think you can take a weed whacker on an airplane to be honest like why but they're like but yes but the nail clippers they're off limits because nail clippers you might you might just get rid of that hangnail for me and um what are you gonna do with them what what could you possibly do with a pair of nail clippers. Somebody tweet me and tell me what can be done with a pair. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the big giant scissor ones for the people who haven't cut their toenails in 43 years. Talk about like the little baby clippers, you know, the ones you have to turn the thing upside down and backwards to use. I, I barely pinch myself with that. Really? I know. Yeah. I'm glad they got rid of that one. I know that my father-in-law lost his clippers going, uh, uh, flying to our wedding. <laughs> So we're we've going through this battle. We found Maggie now. Peter has found Maggie. She is on the other ship with a whole bunch of children, and they're all in pajamas. It's weird. Which is I don't know. I think a little disturbing because where the fuck did those kids come from? Are those are those lost boys that have been absconded? Is Tink working both sides? And she's you know some for this side. Some I don't know. I don't know where those kids came from. They don't look like pirate kids. They don't look. Like they look happy to be released. So I don't know what kind of sweatshop situation is happening in Neverland, but. And she's only female in the entire world, except for Tinkerbell, which is another weird psycho Mm X thing that. And the mermaids. mermaids. But like, yeah, Tinkerbell clearly has some like possessive issues. She kidnaps people and they all have to be men because she can't handle the competition. Mm hmm. It's true. I'm actually kind of surprised she didn't just kick Moira right out the window of that third floor nursery. I know. She could have done it. She's tiny. So nobody would have even, would have even seen it. She could have gotten away with it too. I mean, honestly, I think that you're, we're exposing the real truth behind this and that Tinkerbell is a (laughs) villain. And the whole time we're just thinking about the side characters, but she's the cause of all of these problems. She is totally the devil of Neverland. And she gets to decide who can fly because they use fairy dust. Mm. So she picks her favorite and then they can fly. It's convenient. But do you notice there are no other fairies but her? Exactly. Because they're all in the, they're all buried underneath her house somewhere. That's right. She, she's got them. She got them buried down below in the fire. I'm glad that Peter Pan never let her on. She'd be the one, the 65,000 texts in a day, um, crazy oh, lady. Word. She'd be like, he didn't text me back in eight seconds. What's happening? I'm like, you're giving us a bad name. That's what's happening. Stop it. So, okay. I have to talk about the flying in this movie because again, you know, we go through like 90% of the movie and nobody's freaking flies because Peter Pan's still boring pan. But Once they get to the flying part, the flying is so bad. 
And I also want to know why is Peter the only one that can do it? All of the other Never Kids have happy thoughts. They know how to do it. They have access to Tinkerbell, who gives them the fairy dust. She likes to shake that dust all over, so. Only gives it to Peter Pan. I don't know. She never gave it to Rufio, even though he was the leader. Yeah. Rufio could fly. He could be awesome. He would be awesome as a flyer, especially with that skunk hair going. I mean, that is intimidating to your enemies. Be Sonic the fucking hedgehog. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, so, but the flying is so bad. You can, I mean, you can't see the harness, really. But when he goes to fly forward, his ass and feet go up first in the back. And it's just bizarre. And he's very clearly on an arc. And it's like, look, I get it's 1991 and we're still in a visual effects kind of world. And we're not into, but come on, I've seen stage plays with people doing better than that. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fine. It was pretty bad. I mean, for, for the years that it was, you know, it made sense that he would fly like that. And that's how Peter Pan flies on stage, too. So It kind of yeah. reminds me of how the George Reeves Superman didn't really fly. He, like, jumped in and out of windows. So, same guessing kind yeah. of thing. But I don't know. Yeah, you can only do what you can do. So, we, so, you know, we get to this. And now we've had the showdown between Rufio and Hook. And our dear, sweet Rufio has lost. Well, okay. No, let's. I want to go back a little. Backtrack okay. just a little bit right before Rufio lost. So, uh, Peter uh, sees Rufio confront Hook. And he's like, the old man's mine. And he goes up there and he's going to fight Hook. But then his kid goes, Dad! And then he's like, oh, never mind, my bad. I never mind, go. I'm good. <laughs> You're on your Rufio, own, kid. And then Rufio gets killed. But see, that's so, when that's even when Hook's like, Rufio, like with the chanting. And I'm like, yeah. this whole place is very cultish. It's very strange. Yeah. But yeah, so he they do some little whack, whack, whack here and there. And then, oop. Of course, one bad move, and it's the worst death scene ever. It's like, I wish I had a father like you. You are the pen. (laughs) Well, so technically, though, he was his father. So, like, you know, I mean, doctor father. Yeah, it's all the same thing. Like, no, he had to abduct him. So, Peter Tinkerbell abducted him, and he. We don't know. It could. He could have been a. He could have been an accomplice. Probably was. He was the one flying in people's windows in the middle of the night. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Maybe so, it was his shadow. Maybe. That shadow was janky. Yeah. So, okay. So, this is about the time where now they're going to fight. And, you know, they're flipping all over the place and fighting all over and whatever. I don't know. Whack, whack, whack. And then, yeah. you know, Hook loses his hair. It flies on one of the little kid's heads, this littlest kid. And then he's like, good form, good form. You've won the day. Give me back my dignity. And so he's like, all right, here's your ugly wig. Get your boat, get your pirates, get out of Neverland, go away. And so he goes to like, give him a hand up, which then he of course takes the hook and like scratches his arm. And now we're going to fight to the death. And then like all the kids pull out clocks Because your hook is very afraid of the clock. 
because the one that the crocodile had uh, swallowed uh, when it ate his hand and it used to follow him around and like TikTok, TikTok used to drive him insane. Why didn't they just start with that? I know. Doesn't why, make any sense. Why is the clock thing not your go-to? Wouldn't you just be Flava Flav with a giant clock around your neck at all times? And and why couldn't he hear them just because they were in the pockets or something? <laughs> it's like, mm. and then they just, but then they have, and some of them are huge. And there's no way all of the second hands were in sync, though. You know, that was more like, well, of course not. And how did they like, they're like, okay, we left our clocks behind this, this alley over here. So now, now run, run, get the clock, get the clock, surround, surround, go, go. So, so anyways, he goes nuts and, you know, he tries to double cross and stab Peter, but he stabs into the taxidermied belly of the largest crocodile, ridiculously largest crocodile you have ever seen with a clock in its mouth. Weird. And it happens, even though he has pushed this thing through and his hand is kind of stuck to it, 43 feet up where the, the mouth is falls directly on top of him. He disappears and the dead taxidermy crocodile belches. I think they, I think they need to get their money back on that taxidermy because it was not done well. No, I don't understand that one. Not at all. That whole (laughs) thing was kind of weird. Just all, all in all. Yeah. I don't know. So the croc wins in the end. Never trust, never trust taxidermy. And then, you know, Peter's Peter's crowing and he's so excited with yeah. the Lost Boys and his two kids are still standing there like, um, we'd like to go home. Oh. <laughs> Maybe. So then he has to decide who he's going to pass the, the sword to, right? Which, which of the Lost Boys is going to be in charge? And he goes up and down the line and, oh, bless his heart, Thudbutt is now the leader of the Lost Boys. Which is adorable. Yep. I mean, he was, he was, well, he was good. He was, he brought his A game. Other than Rufio, he'd be your next in line, I would say, because he took down the most. Well, he did that, but also he's, he's, they're all murderers. Just keep in mind. Yeah. Oh yeah. They've been, they've been killing people back and forth for years. Like they're all just murdering each other and nobody seems to think there's a problem with this. Yep, I know they're all laying. The entire pirate ship was just had dead pirates all over it, and nobody seemed to care until Rufio was one of the dead people on the thing. Yeah, I think he may be the only one they lost as well. So, yeah, kind of an unfair advantage going on. I also think it's kind of a dick move that Peter didn't ask any of the other lost boys if they might be interested in, I don't know, going home, not living the pirate murdering life, and he just flies off with his kids. Yep, I know. He could have been Grampy Wendy, you know, the yes. part two. I gotta say, I, I think she used to just uh, abscond with these kidnapped lost boys to get them away from Tink. And that's how she started her orphan funding empire. Yeah, there you go. I mean, makes sense. Yeah, I, so, I, I don't understand okay. the whole thing. But. Yeah, I, don't, I don't either. So we, he goes back home. But now... He's super happy fun dad. Super happy fun dad finds his cell phone in the snow and tells Brad to take a I, take a flight. I don't know. Get in. He's throws it, and throws it back, back out the window. window. Like, why? So that's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the end of the story. So we can assume that he just stopped working hard and um, paid. Yeah, they money. went they went broke. They're destitute. And uh, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. And then and they never thought again about all of the people they left behind to die <laughs> at the hands of the pirate. <laughs> right. Although I'm I'm still going to say those pirates were fairly incompetent. I'm pretty sure the Lost Boys had advantage 90% of the time. So, yep. Especially with Captain Hook gone. And Smee has absconded with all of the oh, yeah. jewelry and foodstuffs that were laying around because that's what you do. Yep. And it didn't seem like commerce was thriving that much in Neverland, but hopefully he's found a way to make a living. Well, he did. Apparently, he snuck back on the Tink Express because you see him uh, sweeping in the park when Peter wakes back up next to his own statue in the in the garden. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I forgot that he was there at the end. So he's now a park sweeper. Yeah, he's a park sweeper. Oh. Uh, he's like, hey, yeah. we had one too many. <laughs> but oh, no, also they'll remember that Peter gave, um, I forgot his name, back his marbles. Yes, Toodles. he brings Toodles his marbles and Toodles covers himself with his fairy dust and happy thoughts and says, peace the fuck out. And flies straight off to Neverland. Though it is morning, so I'm not exactly sure exactly how long it will take him to get to Never Neverland. Because timeline. I have, like if you leave it in sunset, it takes a lot less time than if you leave in the morning. Because you got to wait till the next morning. It's true. And leave in the morning, it's like, it's, like, it's like flying from Houston to Mexico, right? Like it's only a two-hour flight. But if you get the wrong flight, you end up flying from Houston to Washington, D.C., to Atlanta, back through Houston, and then to Mexico. You're like, can you just yep. pick me up on that third leg? Like, yeah. so stupid. So, anyways, that okay. was Hook. Ta-da! So, does it hold up? I, I don't think it does. I just do not enjoy it as it much as a, as, a ch- as an adult as I did as a child. And that is not normally the case for most of these movies that I really enjoyed younger. In fact, now that I see it, it feels more like a... A attention grab. It's like, oh, hey, I'm Steven Spielberg. I can do whatever I want. Look at all these cameos I got in here. I got Robin Williams. I got Julia Roberts. Look, look what I can do. And I don't think it held up to the people that were in it. Dustin Hoffman is the only thing that was exceptional in the movie. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And I think we've talked about, you know, when Steven Spielberg does kid movies, it's kind of that thing like, eh, like E.T. E.T. I loved as a kid. But when you go back and watch it later as an adult, there's a whole lot of things that don't make any sense and are just kind of creepy as fuck. So you're like, eh. so great at grown up movies, you know, <laughs> great, fantastic director. Amazing. Mm. Yeah. And I love Hook. Like I, w- I would be per- a person who would always defend this movie. But when you really go through it to review it like this, there's so many things that I'm like, you know, I think a part of me will always still love it in certain capacities, but yeah, it's, it's shady as fuck. So yeah, uh, the whole storyline is, is getting more and more into it. It's just like, well, I mean, I understand kids movies have plot holes, but right. Yeah. There was a lot. These are like Gilmore size plot holes in yeah, this, this movie. So a lot of stuff to get over. <laughs> anyway, I did. I don't want to be the naysayer because I love Robert. I love Robin Williams, but I don't think this was his best role. In fact, I think it was probably one of his worst, but. Uh, well, um, I, I'm not going to go to worst, but I will definitely say that, you know, had they 
introduced him as the Peter Pan character, I don't know, 45 minutes earlier than they did, I think they could have done a lot more with it for using someone of his comedic That's exactly talent. Right. I, I kept going, get to, get to him being Peter Pan. It's too long of the backstory of the, I can't, I can't believe that. I, well, I'm fucking telling you, you're Peter Pan. We're in Neverland. Deal with it. You know, like at some point you've got to, you just have to believe. Right, exactly. It's like, just clap and believe. That's all we need. So I, yeah, I think that that was a poor use of him in this, in this role. So yeah. Now the role, the role that I like him the best is the straight man. And, uh, uh, not necessarily straight man in the bird cage. I love the bird cage. Oh, one of the greatest movies. I think that he played that really, really well. He was the straight man. That was obviously not straight, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like, he wasn't the the comedic attention. It was just there. There was obviously comedic moments and things like that, but it wasn't his wild and crazy zany. Actually, Nathan Lane got to do most of the wild yeah. and zany parts of that. So. That's anyway, an excellent just, movie. We should review that one at some point yeah. as well. Yeah. I know. We should go through like all of Robin Williams movies. Just review I'm a fan of that. I, I love Robin Williams. I, you know, there's some like Patch Adams that were a little too like dramatic and serious and had like really uncomfortable outcomes for me that I didn't love. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, like, okay, so I think one of his best movies ever is Jack, where he plays the 10 year old who looks like a 40 year old. Because he had such a young spirit, you know what I mean? Like he could play right along with these kids that same age. And and you kind of almost forget that he's a 40 plus year old man doing it. So yeah. I like that. I like when you yeah, can he, get lost in the character and forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could think Mrs. Doubtfire is his most iconic role. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, love. Yeah. Just, I mean, obviously, you know, he was in Good Morning Vietnam and he was Mork and Mork and Mindy. But I uh, watched I Good just, Morning Vietnam again recently because I love it. You know, it's another one that I really enjoy, but I don't, that one doesn't hold up very well either over the days. So it's kind of a anyway. anyway yeah. So that's that's our classic movie review of Hook. The people asked, yep. we'd have delivered. So, um, so I could not find an in-context internet quote that I liked enough to repeat. So I found an out-of-context internet quote, but you will soon find figure out the context of said internet quote. Are you ready for it? Bye. I'm ready. Let's go. None of the Avengers died during the Obama administration. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> but I disagree. Okay. So now you can have uh, Marvel characters, and- not Avengers. Well, I guess that's true. No. But anyway, just throwing that out there. That's just food for thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of that, we're going to have some uh, upcoming live performances at Comic Palooza, and we may uh, have a deep dive into a Marvel character character or two. But stay tuned for some more details on those. Oh, absolutely. We are going to have some fun. We are going to see some people. We are going to record some shit. You won't even know. We just. Stuff for and Spoiler alert, I may not be sober for what is that? Uh, <laughs> what, what is four days? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> Hopefully, not the answer to one of your trivia questions with Cult 45. Yeah, so that will be at the beginning. Because, so we'll see how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I was, I think I ended up with a like 
$18 double vodka shot last year before our live show. It was like, mm. I know. But now that we have a, now that we have a hotel room, there's going to be significant. I'm going to be less, sneaking to um, your hotel room. Uh, and, and don't forget, you gave me a box of flasks before you moved away. So I may be doing some arts and crafts oh, yeah. badly because they're not going to look good, right. but they'll be, we'll go. have some nerdy bitches flasks to give out. So. All right. Let's do it. Let's All do right. It. Well, yeah, so, come, come hang okay. out with us at Comic Palooza because it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be the first time that we're going to get to hang out together in months. So it'll be a blast. Yeah. And uh, we have just stuff going everywhere. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. I, I'm seriously like it's so excited. I'm like, oh, get here already. So I know. anyways, we will catch you All guys right. next time. Theme music provided by www.bensound.com. And please email feedback to contact us at nerdybitches.com. Uses to run, run away, away in the pram the because pram he doesn't want to do that. And I'm like, you're in how it. did that work? <laughs> you did it.